This is Rabbi Avital Hoxdin of Machon Hadar. Parashat Shoftim 5777. Where are the orphans, widows, and strangers? On the audible silence in Parashat Shoftim. Parashat Shoftim describes the political structure for the Jewish nation to be implemented once they enter their land. This is a system characterized by almost complete freedom of the sort where interference occurs only in the case of a problem. To the observer, this would appear to be an idyllic description. However, anyone familiar with the Torah and its ways will immediately note the striking absence of socially weak and weakened persona who surprisingly remain wholly unmentioned throughout the course of the parasha. There are no orphans or widows, no poor or strangers, or any of those who require redemption. What is the role of this lack, specifically in the context of such a broad description of social and political systems? We will survey some of the administrative constructs addressed in order to consider those who are and are not mentioned in the parasha. And let's begin with the Betin, the court system. If a matter eludes you in judgment, between blood and blood, between judgment and judgment, or between lesion and lesion, words of dispute in your cities, then you shall rise and go up to the place the Lord your God chooses. This verse addresses a situation in which knowledge necessary in order to arrive at a judgment is missing. The Bet Din system is described through the description of this case. You shall come to the Levitic Kohanim and to the judge who will be in those days, and you shall inquire, and they will tell you the words of judgment. And you shall do according to the word they tell you from the place the Lord will choose, and you shall observe to do according to all they instruct you. You shall not sway from what they say, left or right. In this system, the deciding voice in the case of lack of clarity is that of the Kohanim, the Levim, and the judges present in the chosen place. The verses do not deal with those who are unable to reach this place because of distance, difficulties on the way, domestic needs, or other reasons. Similarly, there is no mention of justice, righteousness, or charity, tzedakah, which are usually presented as falling under the purview of the court, the betin. There is, however, discussion of reinforcing the Torah's stance. According to the law they instruct you, and according to the judgment they say to you, you shall do. You shall not divert from the words they tell you, either right or left. Another leadership type mentioned in the parasha is the king. His coronation stems from the Jewish nation's desire. When you come to the land the Lord your God is giving you, and you possess it and live therein, and you shall say, I will set a king over myself like all the nations around me. As we expect from human leadership subservient to the sovereignty of God, to Malchut Shamaim, limitations are set in the description. You shall set a king over you, one whom the Lord your God chooses, 
from among your brothers. You shall set a king over yourself. You shall not appoint a foreigner over yourself. Only he may not acquire many horses for himself, and he shall not take many wives for himself. And his heart must not turn away, and he should not acquire much silver or gold for himself, and so on and so forth. There is no firm delineation of the king's responsibilities towards his people in general or towards the weak among them in particular. Once again, the central concern of the chapter lies in reinforcing the Torah both inward and outwardly. From among your brothers you shall set a king over yourself. And it will be when the king sits upon his royal throne that he shall write for himself a copy of this law, Torah, on a scroll, and so that he will not turn away from the commandments either to the right or to the left. The parasha describes also the religious leadership, that of the prophet and of the kohanim as well. As with the king, the prophet too is described as an appointment stemming from the Jewish nation's request. According to all that you asked of the Lord your God in Chorev on the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not continue to hear the voice of God, and let me no longer see his great fires, so that I will not die. And the Lord said to me, They have done well asking in what they have spoken. I will set a prophet for them, and from among their brothers like you, and I will put my words into his mouth. The description of the prophet does not focus on his areas of responsibility as a leader, but rather on the obligation to heed him, and the prohibition warning him not to go beyond the word of God. Once again, the concern lies in reinforcement and preservation of boundaries. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that speaks in my name. And a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, is to be put to death. Additionally, there are descriptions of the Kohanim and Levim. Those too seem to be lacking something. There is no discussion at all of the Kohanim or Levim's tasks, nor are they mentioned alongside other people who are needy or dependent, as occurs more than once in other places, such as early on in Deuteronomy and the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the stranger, and the orphan, and the widow who are in your cities, will come and eat and be satisfied, so that the Lord your God will bless you in all the work of your hands that you will do. On the contrary, the Kohanim and the Levim are mentioned here within the framework of the Jewish nation's obligations to them. And this shall be the Kohanim's due from the people, from those who perform a slaughter, be it an ox or a sheep. They shall give the Kohanim the foreleg, the jaw, and the maw. This unusual difference within the context in which the Leviim are presented demands an explanation and is perhaps a key to the message emerging from within the verses, as we will see, further on. As with the Levim, 
one of the more grating examples of the absence of the stranger and the orphan or the widow and what they represent within the social system as a whole appears in the context of bribery. The parasha opens with a description of the organization of the administrative, judiciary, and executive bodies. You shall set up judges and law enforcement officers for yourself in all your cities that the Lord your God is giving you. And they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. The verses warn against accepting bribes. You shall not prevent justice, you shall not show favoritism, and you shall not take a bribe. Nonetheless, in many other places in the Torah, the warning to avoid bribery is accompanied by drawing attention to the weak and weakened in society. Thus, for example, in Numbers, you shall not accept a bribe for a bribe will blind the clear sight and corrupt words that are right. And you shall not oppress a stranger, for you know the feelings of the stranger since you were strangers in the land of Egypt. The same occurs in other places in the text in which refusing bribes is defined as a godly attribute associated with paying attention to the weak and the weakened. For the Lord your God is God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God, who will show no favor, nor will he take a bribe. He executes the judgment of the orphan and the widow, and he loves the stranger to give him bread and clothing. Our parasha, however, hints at another context for the warning. You shall not prevent justice, you shall not show favoritism, and you shall not take a bribe, for bribery blinds the eyes of the wise and prevents just words. Justice, justice shall you pursue, that you may live and possess the land the Lord your God is giving you. According to the verses in the parasha, accepting bribery will harm you by warping your view of the world and blinding you to justice. There is a demand here to seek justice. However, there is no discussion of justice as a broader social issue, just as there is no discussion of the repercussions for others inherent in one accepting of bribes. How are we to understand the absence of the stranger, the orphan, and the widow from the description of the king's and the judge's realms of responsibility and from the descriptions of the Kohanim and Levim. I would argue that the absences cry out from within the verses, seeking to draw our attention to those who are missing, thus leading us to notice that something in the description is incomplete. The administrative system is imperfect as long as it ignores those whose life circumstances have weakened them. The places of the stranger, the orphan, and the widow, the places of the poor and those in need of salvation, are taken up by a series of warnings. The chapter is full of warnings not to stray left or right from the Torah. The court, the betting system, is described as a guardian of the borders rather than as an institution which cares for those who are transparent in society and seeks justice. 
The king is to write a Torah and keep it, but there are no reminders of his broad responsibility towards those people over whom he rules, and so forth. The absence of weakened members of society alongside the persistent cautions regarding the need to stay on the path are positioned as warning signs. When a society's focus is on comparisons with the exterior and on fortifying borders, it is liable to replace concern for charity and justice, raising the danger of inner blindness, which itself may lead off the path of righteousness. Shabbat Shalom.